With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, Welcome to another edition of Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. I am your host, 12 Kyle. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, the number 646-478-0356. want to thank you uh, for tuning in to us for the best two hours of your week. Uh, this is Sports Raw and Uncut, and that's what we're going to do to you every week. We're going to bring you Raw and Uncut Sports, a different kind of opinion, if you will, right here, the place where sports opinions collide. Again, I am your host, Kyle, 12 Kyle. Uh, the phone number to call in for, excuse me, six, four, I'm getting tongue tied here, about to give up my cell phone number, 646 478 Zero three five six. Man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And to be quite honest, two hours probably isn't enough time to get it done. Uh, of course, I will not be doing the show alone uh, tonight. Uh, instead of uh, our homeboy, Beasy, he will not be on tonight. But we got filling in for him, man. Let's bring on uh, one of tonight's co-hosts. Uh, you know him. He fills in from time to time. He calls in every week. Die-hard Philly fan all the way through and through. My man, Q the Six Man. Q, what up? Yeah, what's good? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I got you, man. What's going on? Bobby Cow, ain't nothing, man. Just chilling. 
Uh, Tuesday night, just got off work, you know, regular day shit. Okay, we here okay. to talk about sports, ready to go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's get it. Let's get it. And next up, the bat, man, the brains behind the operation, man. We call him the captain, my man, Ken. What up? Hey, what's going on, Kyle? Chilling, man. What's up with you? <laughs> oh, uh, <clears throat> nothing much, man. Hey, what's let up? me ask you this. Do we have, um... Baseball on the docket tonight. Um, we do, and we probably want to, um, you know, touch on it uh, since there's a game going on right now. Uh, there was a game that ended uh, about an hour or so ago. So yeah. We okay, talk cool. About yeah, somebody, um, you know, hit us up on Twitter um, asking us to talk about the two series uh, going on, um, <clears throat> you know, right now. So, and I know we, you know, I know we had talked earlier about you know the different topics we were going to touch on. And I got busy at work and forgot to uh, to bring it up. So that's why I asked. But everything else is uh, everything else is, is good, man. Just chilling. No, it's all good. Yeah, we can definitely talk about it. I mean, it's it's so much stuff to, to, to cover, man. It's um, and it's especially when you go back and listen to, you know, the the shows and stuff. You realize how much stuff we actually cover, and then you know, there's always topics sometimes that we don't necessarily get to. Um, but we're going to try to hit it all. Uh, hit us up, 646-478-0356. Uh, to, the title of tonight's show, we're going to touch on all the sports, man, but one of the <laughs> one of the biggest uh, sports stories, man, one of the craziest endings that you will ever see um, goes back to Saturday afternoon, man. Uh, Michigan State Wolverines, excuse me, Michigan Wolverines versus the Michigan State uh, Spartans, uh, in-state rivalry. I think Michigan came into the game ranked in the top 15. They were uh, they had they suffered one loss to Utah. Uh, Michigan State came in, I think, ranked fourth, if I'm not mistaken, um, undefeated. And let me set this scenario in case you missed it. Michigan was up by uh, – they were up by two. Um, all they had to do, they, they were facing a fourth down. Um, all they had to do, that Michigan State didn't have any more timeouts. There was 10 seconds left. All they had to do was punt the ball back to Michigan State. Uh, if Michigan State, you know, catches the ball, I mean, you know, they, they may have time for one more play. Um, and they're saying now that the odds that Michigan State could have won that game they had a 0.02% chance of winning the game. Well, unless you've been hiding under a rock, uh, the punter, the ball was snapped to the punter. Uh, first of all, Michigan State brought up uh, 11 men to the line of scrimmage, so they didn't even have anybody back deep. Uh, the punter fumbles the ball, he bobbles the ball, drops it on the ground, goes to pick it up, tries to kick it backwards for whatever reason. The ball gets punched away. Defensive back for Michigan State picks it up, runs into the end zone up beyond the convoy, goes into the end zone, gets tackled, ball game, walk off, touchdown by the Michigan State Wolverines, stuns the crowd at the big house where Michigan plays. Uh, I think it was like 110,000 people in the stands. Stunned. I mean, one of the craziest finishes that you will see in college football. Um, Q, so I'll start right there with you, man. Um, 
what did you think about the finish and 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 where would you rank this as far as like you know some of the crazier finishes that you've seen in college football um well first off it was crazy crazy play uh, I thought that Michigan had it in the bag but of course we see once again that uh these uh college special teams man are just terrible. I think that's the worst unit in college football altogether is the special team. There's so many, like, returns and, like, big plays and miracle plays that happen on those special units across the board. And it just showed, once again, that it's liable to happen at any time. Um, it was it was an incredible play by the Michigan State defense who was balling out this year. They're playing amazing. Uh, Spartans are really going hard this year. And where well, I rank it at, I would probably rank it in like in craziest like mess ups. It's probably top ten all time. That's probably like number nine somewhere because that's a huge game. That's a huge in-state rivalry. The Michigan Wolverines they hate the Spartans. Spartans hate the Wolverines, and it's very hard pressed to find any fans of those uh, teams who like each other. So for them to go out that way and give the Spartan fans who were already defeated, already halfway out the stadium with their with their heads hung down low, then to give them that satisfaction of throwing the game basically, just giving it to them. And the I, I think the kid got hurt on the end the uh, in the dog pile, which is which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. But um, but just the fact that they gave them that game away and gave ammunition to the Spartans who are still undefeated, who are playing amazing defense right now. Thought it was incredible. Great play. Probably top ten f ups of all time. I liked it. Go Spartans. <laughs> what about you, Ken? Man, where what what did you think about it, man? And, and where would you rank that as far as uh, you know all time finishes in college football? You know, I think the funny thing about it is that we had just finished um, shooting. <clears throat> and I had just made it to the crib, and oh man, it was it was wonderful. Nobody was here, so it was quiet. So I got a chance to just lay down and watch the game. <clears throat> and um, you know, once I saw Connor Cook, you know, he was sacked a couple of times and they had to punt the ball away, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, okay, well, the game is over. Now here comes a bunch of Michigan talk, and believe me, I was one of those guys. I didn't know Michigan was as bad as they were, or they looked pretty bad on offense um, until I actually had a chance to really really sit down and watch them play for that, that small stretch. Now, credit to Michigan State because they're, you know, they're a really, really good defensive team. So, you know, I'm like, well, you know, they'll get another shot, maybe a chance for a Hail Mary, but more more than anything, man, I, I, was, I was about to take me a nap. And then I heard it. Bobbled the snap. Michigan State got the ball, and the dude is running to the house. And all I'm thinking is, get in, get in, get in. And and he scored, and I was like, I, I was I was literally stunned. I don't have, I, I really don't care for either team like that. Um, I, I appreciate the robbery between the two, um, but you know, I, I just to see, I, I felt the elation that the Michigan State players felt from winning a game like that because that was absolutely a miracle finish, like an unbelievable finish, like improbable. 
like whatever word you can you can think of to describe it, it applies. But the heartbreak that Michigan much must have felt to lose a game like that. I don't know if you guys saw it, but there's a video of this guy. I swear, I don't know if he's crying or not, but it sounds like he's absolutely crying. It sounded like he bet the house. I saw. On, I saw. The, I saw the video. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like he put everything on Michigan and and just lost. And um, yeah. So that so that that video was out, and and it was just it was incredible, man. As, as far as, as as ranking it, I, I would have to agree. I think it it it, it is in a in a top ten, considering you know what what's at stake. You know, it's a rivalry game. It's a ranked game. It's a ranked game against an up-and-coming in-state opponent with a high-profile coach and Jim Harbaugh, who, you know, prior to that game, for about three games, they haven't even given up a score. Like they've shut people out. You know, you know, over the last couple of games that they've played. I mean, they they were dismantling teams. And the first thing I noticed was when I looked look at the recap, I was like, oh, well, you know. Michigan State scored, so so much for that, and they they're able to score with Michigan, but you know that defense that they prided themselves on came through in the end, and they sat Connor Cook and pressured him on the last fourth down play, and they had the game won, and it went away with one snap. I mean, you're talking about what should be a routine play that you make 10 out of 10 times. What are the odds of you fumbling a snap on a punt at that right. moment and time? And then I don't know if they still would have won the game, even if he would have fell on it, um, because they may have kicked the field goal, but at least there's the possibility of him missing the field goal if you just fall on it. So, um, I, I thought it was a spectacular finish, man. I thought it put a cap on what uh, turned out to be a, a, a really, really great Saturday of college football. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy, man. I, and, and like you said, we had just finished, and you guys make sure that you be on the lookout. We just uh, knocked out uh, three videos um, that appear on our YouTube channel. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you go to YouTube.com backslash dead in sports uh and subscribe to the channel um we have a lot of content out there and we've got even more coming uh, on the, this time via nba fashion so we shot a couple of videos on saturday uh we were just wrapping up um and we actually we were at the basketball course right here in, in downtown atlanta um in central park talking about this game and you know many of you guys know b is from detroit you know so he's uh let me let me make sure I get this straight. He's a Michigan. He, he roots for Michigan when it comes to football. Roots for the Spartans when it comes to basketball. Um, I'll let him explain why. But um, um, but nonetheless, we were talking about this game, and I was just like, yeah, I got to get home and catch the end of it. So I was listening to it on the radio. Got home. Fourth quarter started, and you know Michigan was pretty much in command for most of the game. And um, I'm sitting there, me and my son, we're sitting there watching it, and I'm just like. Yeah, this game is over, you know, like, and, and I, it was one of those things, man, when it happened, like, nothing, like, there's nothing that really prepared me for what I, and then you, you kind of, you see the play happening, you're like, wait a minute, did he just really fumble the ball? And then, and I'm going to be honest, like, I really didn't realize what had happened 
until the guy was going in the end zone. I'm like, wait a minute. He's scoring. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. And I went back, and after the dust settled, I went back and rewound it. And Michigan called a timeout right before this play happened. And if you see, the camera kind of pans toward the towards the punter's face. This kid is scared. Like, you could really, like, you could visibly see fear in his eyes. Of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I think what happened was, and keep in mind, this is he, he, he does this Australian style, that rugby style where you run to the side and punt the ball. He was looking at an 11-man front. What, they, what Michigan probably should have done was condense their line down to the point where they're in a max protection so that you have 10 on 10 or at least 10 on 11. And he dropped the ball. He panicked. It wasn't a great snap, but, you know, he panicked. And I don't know. And, and like you said, Ken, if he's thinking, and I know hindsight is always twenty twenty, but if he's thinking, if he goes down where he recovered the ball at, Michigan State would get the ball back with eight, seven, eight seconds left, but they're looking at a 50-yard field goal in the win. 50-yard field goal in the win on the road for Michigan State, you know, I – I think you probably like it, and I don't know how good Michigan State's kicker was, but you, but that's better than giving up a walk-off touchdown. So crazy finish! I've seen some crazy finishes from the the uh, the hail mary from Colorado to the Doug Flutie pass uh, in the Orange Bowl. Um, this one right here for me is top five, man. This is one of the craziest finish. And then, like you said, Ken, the thing that's even more impressive, man, is the fact that it, that they're rivals. Um, these, you know, they don't like each other. They, I mean, like, they really don't like each other. And, you know, fortunately for me, I have, I've got, I can count at least seven Michigan State alums that follow me on Twitter. And I'm cool with them. So my timeline is just lit. And I don't know, I only know one Michigan alum and we went to high school together. But, and he's not on Twitter. But, I mean, the Michigan State alums, man, they were, I mean, like, they blew up the timeline. It was crazy. Um, hats off to them. My, 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 you know, I don't really know what to say to Michigan. I mean, because, and if, I kind of felt bad for Harbaugh because they did everything. They did everything they were supposed to do. I mean, and, you know, it's, you, you can't blame the kicker, but I'm going to blame the kicker, the, the punter. You, you got to, you just got to be heads up, man. I mean, like, in that scenario, you can't, I mean, at the worst case, fall on the ball. You live another down, you know. Now, even if Michigan State kicks a field goal and they win, they win by three. I mean, they win by one because Michigan State was. On, I mean, Michigan was only up by by two. But um, crazy, crazy finish, man! Crazy finish. Six four six four seven eight zero three five six. The place with sports opinions collide. Welcome to another edition of Dead End Sports again. I am your host, Twelve Kyle. Joined by my partners, we got my man Ken and my man Q, the six man filling in for feet for uh, Beezy. Um, I'm assuming FIFA will probably be in in just a few minutes. Um, just when we thought <laughs> that the Michigan State Michigan uh, special teams blunder would be the only special teams play that we would be talking about, um. Lo and behold, something happened Monday night, man. Um, the Colts going up against uh, 
the evil empire, the, the New England Patriots, who are still undefeated and who are straight up kicking everybody's ass right now. Um, there was a scenario in the game where I guess the premise was for the Colts to run a fake punt. They basically, if you did, if you missed it, they moved the entire line of scrimmage over to the right, and they had a a cornerback and a wide receiver. A wide receiver was snapping the ball to the cornerback, or at least he was. The cornerback was behind the wide receiver, up under center. Um, and there were four Patriots standing over the ball. So if you do the math, you've got a center and somebody behind him acting as a quarterback and four people in the in the vicinity. And it's fourth down and I think three. Nevertheless, uh, the ball got snapped, and, of course, the guy got thrown to the ground. And, it, I mean, like if you heard the announcers, it, it just – and Twitter immediately blew up. It was by far one of the dumbest plays that you could ever run. Now, to, to his credit – Chuck Bagano, the uh, head coach for the uh, Indianapolis Colts, uh, he took full responsibility. He said, you know, it was supposed to be, um, you know, something where they didn't snap the ball, where they had to move the guys over and this and that. But, you know, the premise wasn't to snap the ball. And he, you know, he fell on the sword. He didn't, he didn't, you know, throw anybody under the bus. Um, Kim, when you saw this, what did you think when you saw them trying to run this, Dumbass play. Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, and, and and this is kind of a kind of going back to what you said when you opened the show. Uh, here, you're going to get a different different type of sports opinion. Um, I didn't watch this game. I didn't want to <laughs> see Tom Brady and the Patriots um, on, on, on Sunday Night Football. I just didn't because. You know, much like everybody else, I, I assumed there was going to be a blowout, and I just, right. I just, I just couldn't do it, man. So I, I went to sleep. I just couldn't bear to watch them run up and down on on the Colts like that. Um, to the Colts' credit, they hung in there. They made um, a game out of it until that play. And um, when, when I when I saw it, the first thing I thought was that. Was that um, Pagano? Pagano just just got fired. You know that was the first thing I thought. I was like, well, he, he's done. That's his job. You know, to to do something like that, to run a play like that, to call a play like that, uh, regardless of whether it's miscommunication or not. You know, let let's be honest. You're not going to trick the Patriots into jumping off sides. They're just far too disciplined. And they're 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 too 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 well coached for them to make a gaffe like that. It's just not gonna happen. You're not gonna trick them, um, Pagano. And and then for that to happen and for you to embarrass, you know, yourself, the players, the organization, everybody, you know, um I, I think that that just cost him his job. And, you know, I you know, I, I'm hearing everything that he's saying everything that's coming out of the organization about the play. And to be honest, what Pagano had to accept for blame, because, you know, you can't, you can't 
place it on anybody else. You know, you you just got to eat that. So even though he is accepting all of the blame, it, it still doesn't absolve him at all. Like, you don't get credit for saying, my bad, for something <laughs> like that. Right. I, you know, I'm sorry, which ultimately changed. You're down by six points. You are in this game against the Patriots. Again, I did not watch this game. I'm just going by everything that I heard Monday. You know, and I'll be honest, if I saw that play while I was watching that game, you know, it, it would have bothered me because I knew immediately, you know, I would have known immediately, I should say, that the Colts caused uh, themselves the game and, and any shot at winning that game, you know, and and um, and, and the Colts played well. Luck, what, he didn't turn the ball over, right? He didn't have any interceptions. So, you know, he, he missed, I mean, his completion percentage wasn't the best. But he didn't turn the ball over. So he wanted to win it. But to the Colts' credit, they hung in there. It wasn't a blowout per se, you know, even though they were up by 13 or 14, whatever it was, after that play. But they were right there. And um, and they, they saved face. And, you know, the Colts didn't get the beat down that they really, really wanted. And nobody's going to tell me they didn't want to embarrass the Colts at home on Sunday night football. No doubt, no doubt. What what you uh what what was your take on it when you saw it and uh and, and much like him, do, do you think this sealed Chuck Pagano's fate, man? I thought it was fucking hilarious. Um that was <laughs> the most amazing play I've ever seen in NFL history. Um I'll give the Colts credit. They definitely stepped they they manned up, they showed some pride instead of taking it and just, you know, letting the the Patriots do whatever they, they wanted to do. Um, I thought Tom Brady wanted to put up like 70 points on him for real, for real, and he didn't get it. So I'm pretty sure he's even more mad about that. So whoever the, the next opponent is, is definitely going to get 45 on him. Um, Pagano, man, I've been saying it. I think he's the problem. I think Chuck Pagano is the problem. I think that the Colts messed up when they let Bruce Arians go and they let Pagano uh, stay. And I think they had to because it would look completely messed up in the media if they cut their coach who just came off of, what was it, a cancer like uh, treatment? He had just been going through chemo, and uh, Arians took over for him, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he led that team to the playoffs under mm-hmm. uh, Arians, him and Luck, and they looked pretty good. I think it was Luck's first year versus Baltimore that they lost. And ever since then, ever since Pagano's gotten back, he's been putting it on Andrew Luck every year. If I can give an analogy, I think Chuck Pagano is kind of like Scott Brooks of the NFL. Um, Scott Brooks of the Oklahoma City Thunder just has two amazing players who know how to make plays, and he tries to manage their talent instead of coaching it up. I think Pagano's the same way with Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's turnovers should be completely way down the way from where they are. He's putting up Eli in interception numbers this year. Um, the offense uh, <laughs> He's doesn't Eli look numbers. that amazing. Uh, the defense, they still haven't put talent on that defensive line. They had a first-round pick that they could have used on a corner or used on a safety that they went wide receiver. haven't seen anything out of him this year. I think Pagano has been the problem for the last couple years, and that, um, that trick play was just – 
hilarious. It was amazing because that's just a symptom of everything that he's doing wrong with the franchise. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that Pagano is a terrible coach and he's a bad coach. Right. I'm just saying that when you have someone of the caliber of what Andrew Luck is and what he could be, because even though right now I still think he's overrated from what everyone's talking about because he, he hasn't shown me anything, anything yet, what he could be with a Bruce Arians, with someone like a Mike Tomlin, with someone like any of the upper echelon of coaches who know how to bring talent out of already great players, I think he could be so much better than what he is, and he's not going to flourish under Chuck Pagano because of dumb plays like having two guys snap the ball. That was just it was just ridiculous. I was like, this man has lost his mind on, on Sunday Night Football, man. Yes, I think he feels this. Yeah. I think after this season, if they don't make if they don't go if they don't make a AFC Championship run, they're definitely he's definitely gone. Uh, you know what, man? I, I full disclosure, much like Ken. I, I didn't. I didn't see this game, <laughs> and, and, and I'm gonna be honest. It wasn't because I didn't like the Patriots or the Colts. I just, I was just tired, man. I, I was worn out. I was like, you know what? I'll read it. And I, I had already pictured in my mind. I'm like, you know what? The Patriots. It's gonna be a close game. Patriots are gonna pull it out. Uh, you know, Brady's gonna go four. You know, throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, I already, I already know what this is because. You know, the Patriots are – the Colts are the Patriots' little brother. I mean, like, they, you, you can't beat the big brother. And, you know, the Patriots are constantly – I'm excuse me, the Colts are constantly swinging, and, but big brother won't let you hit them. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't see the game. I woke up the next morning and my, you know, a couple people would send me texts. I had tweets. Oh, did you see that play? So I'm like, man, what are they talking about? So I finally get a chance to see it before I leave out the house. Um and I was like, man, that that might have been the dumbest. It, it had to be like the dumbest play. I mean, now if you if you move the line of scrimmage and you want to kind of if you want to draw guys off sides, that's one thing. But to actually snap the ball, and then he said, you know, well, we didn't go over it that well in practice. I'm like, well, why? You know, why did you put this in implement in this, this in the game? You know, I mean, say what you want about Belichick you're probably not going to outsmart him. You can outcoach him, but you're not going to outsmart him. You know, I think that's safe to say. So I, I, I thought it was just dumb, and it looks like a guy who was, scrambling, who was scrambling for his job. And given the fact that, you know, he has they, – they haven't extended his contract and, and, you know, there's been rumblings all season long. And this, keep in mind, guys, this is a team that was – you know, build by a lot to make the run to the Super Bowl this year. In fact, I picked them to go to Super Bowl um, for what it's worth. Uh, so I don't, you know, it, it's luck has struggled. You know, I, I will admit that I, he, he's still top five Q, <laughs> but uh, but I, I think you know luck has struggled and, and subsequently the team has struggled. Luck has been out, um, and they had to you know bring out one of those Hasselbeck boys to to to, to start. So. Um, mm-hmm. It was a bad look. It was a bad look all the way through. Um, before I forget, let's bring on the other homie, my man FIFO. FIFO, what's going on, man? Yo, what's good, man? What's good, y'all? Chilling. What's up with you? Bruh, you know, trying to make this money at the job, you know. I know um, that's right, man. I know that's right. Eight o'clock. Uh-huh. So, so <laughs> I don't get out of there until nine, 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 nine. So, you know, trying to hey, make that man. money, man. I understand. I understand. I ain't mad at nobody getting that paper. Uh, we just we, you you heard the, the conversation on Pagano. We uh, we started off talking about the Michigan 
fiasco in Ann Arbor. Uh, you want to give your, your take on those two uh, subjects? Yeah, the Michigan-Michigan State game, I didn't get to watch that. Uh, but obviously I saw the highlights and how they lost the game. Right. You know, um, as a coach, to me, that's, that's probably, like, just thank God it wasn't in a championship game, but that's one of the easier type of losses to get over. Why? Because you really beat these guys and just some fluke thing at the end, you know, okay, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, 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 you can sleep better at night with that. You're not going to be thinking about that. It's not going to haunt you. You just get over it, cool, whatever. Let's move on to the next one because your guys came out there and they played. They just didn't execute down the stretch. Now, in terms of the Colts and Pagano and all of that, look, look, he, look, look. Q is a thousand percent right. When Bruce Arians took over the Colts, they looked like a completely different team. Andrew Luck looked like that guy that was supposed to be the next guy. He's supposed to be the guy of the league. And it is solely because – I'm not going to say solely because because Andrew Luck is a damn great quarterback. But it would had to do a lot with that symbiotic relationship that you have between head coach and also your star quarterback, something like mm-hmm. Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Obviously, their relationship is a little strained now, but when it was great, they were arguably the best next to Belichick and Tom Brady. So when you have that relationship, and you saw it because it was apparent, when, Pag- when Pagano was there – they struggled. When Bruce Arians took over, they looked like a juggernaut. When, Bruce, when Pagano came back, they looked like a pedestrian team again. And it's because of Pagano's ideology as a football coach. He wants to pound a rock. He wants to go play action. Bruce Arians wants to throw the long ball, get the ball down the field. Let's get chunks of yards. Let's, let's spread out this offense. Let's make the defense mm-hmm. have gaps, and then let's attack the gaps with the run plays and the draws and all of that. So it's just different ideologies. But when you have a quarterback that is Andrew Luck, you got to let that man throw the rock. You got, the, the offense has to be built around him. He is the best mm-hmm. guy. It's not the running back. It's not who, who did they trade for a first-round pick last year, and he became – and he just confirmed that he was a buzz. I can't even remember dude's name. Uh, so, Trent Richardson. Yeah, Trent Richardson. Yeah, so, yeah. So so Terrible. so you have to be able to build this team, this offense around luck, getting the ball out quick, getting deep shots, doing all of these other things that all of these other elite quarterbacks do. You don't see them do that, and Pagano is the problem. Pagano basically bet on himself. They didn't want the one-year mm-hmm. contract. Yep. Grigson, look, this is not Grigson's guy. Grigson's going to get rid of this guy. Pagano's days are numbered. And that one special teams play pretty much sealed his fate. He yep. is going at the end of the season. Now, do I go against the call? No. But when you watch it, especially when you watch it in slow-mo, the, the, the guy that had the rock, number 17, the, the backup wide receiver, right? When <laughs> right. number 32, the backup safety said, huh? He hiked the ball. Number 32 didn't need- he wasn't anticipating the rock because right, when right, he right. You saw it, that. He kind of he, he didn't take the rock and just started doing something. He kind of like what the hell? I, why do I have the rock? And then you also mm-hmm. see number seventeen as he gets blown up by everybody else. His face and his eyes are like holy shit! What the fuck did I do? How do I block five guys? Oh mm-hmm. damn! I messed up. So that wasn't supposed to happen. They were trying to draw them offside. Number 17 got frazzled. 
he seen me like, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't practice where there was five guys around me. So as soon as he said, huh, he, he hiked the ball. He got nervous. He got spooked. That's what happened. You can't put that. I can't all the way put that on Pagano, but it right. did seal his fate because he called that call. And you have to have mm-hmm. trust in your team. And part of being a head coach is making sure your guys execute and his guys did not execute. So, therefore, it comes back on the coach, which I understand. And he's just not the best fit for this team. He's just not. I've said it for the last two and a half years. Yep. I said, you have to let Andrew Luck be a prolific passer. That's what he is. He's not going to win you a whole bunch of games throwing 25 times a game. No, you're not protecting Andrew Luck. You need to let this guy throw 30, 35 times on average with a couple games like Phillip Rivers just had when you throw it 50, 55 times. Oh, That's God. what elite you, quarterbacks oh, do. Phillip Rivers was slinging it on Sunday, man. Yo, can you I take you back off of that point? 63 attempts. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Let me piggyback off that point because I just wanted to get this out about the Colts. A lot of people, you know, talk to me about my uh, my criticism of Andrew Luck, and my criticism of Andrew Luck is not solely on him. And I've always said that a great player with mediocrity around him can only be so good. You know, it's like LeBron in Cleveland. You know, what I'm saying you can only be so good. So right. football is a team game, obviously, and we know that a quarterback with no offensive line quarterback with an aging wide receiver in Andre Johnson, a quarterback and an aging running back in Frank Gore, a quarterback with the only one number one option, but that they're going to double every time in T.Y. Hilton, who's going to make some great plays just because of how great he is with no defense really, maybe one great corner Vontae Davis. You're not going to do much. And you have to look back at the Dungy Payton era of their offense and their defense. They had Dwight Freeney and they had Robert Mathis, right? They had that on defense, those two bookends. They had Dallas Clark at tight end. You're, you're set. You have Marvin Harrison. You're set. You have Reggie Wayne. You are set. You have Edron James. You are set. And they're not giving Andrew Luck anything above average to work with in terms of skill positions. Why are you not going out in free agency and getting him a younger running back? Why, like to me, like I'll trade you Demarco Murray right now. Like he would probably, he would probably <laughs> eat yards. Like he would eat so many yards. Like, why did you not throwing money at Demarco Murray? Why are you not throwing money at the dude in New Orleans, um, Mark Ingram? Why are you not throwing money at C.J. Spiller? Why are you not doing that, Jim Irsay? He's not putting the talent around him to succeed. So yeah, when I say Andrew Luck isn't top five to me. It's not just because, oh, I think Andrew Luck's mechanics are trash and he's just not a great quarterback. It's, well, when you're throwing to only T.Y. Hilton, you're probably going to throw in the double coverage sometimes and it's going to get picked off. Right. So, yeah, I have him at number seven on my list because I just don't see it with these people, him being top five. You have to give him something. Either give him a stellar offensive line and just a good enough wide receivers like Tom Brady had last year and the year before that, or give him a stud wide receivers with just one great center like Peyton had and see what he can do. Give him a running back. See what he can do. They're not giving him any defense. They're not giving him anything. And Andrew Luck's greatness alone is the only thing keeping that team afloat. And until they get to, you know, and, and when they continue to run into the Patriots, they will see that they will get outcoached and they will get outschemed because Bill Belichick has been here before. He's not falling for no bullshit fake punt. Are you crazy? It's ridiculous. 
No doubt. No doubt. You know, Belichick, like I say, he, he comes prepared. He definitely comes prepared. Um, we just got uh, probably maybe a couple minutes after we went on air, um, got this tweet uh, from Deadspin, um, and I'll read it to you. Uh, running back Fred Jackson uh, for the Seattle Seahawks uh, crashed his sports car while racing Marshawn Lynch. Uh, according to TMZ, C- Seattle Seahawks running back Fred Jackson crashed his Corvette into a planter box while racing teammate Marshawn Lynch outside of the team's Renton, Washington practice facility. TMZ reports that Lynch and uh, Jackson were drag street drag racing down the st- a public street uh, when the accident happened, and Seattle Seahawks staffers took Jackson back to the facility. Uh, he was uninjured. Um, athletes drag racing, man? Really? I mean, <laughs> if this oh, as this hasn't been, yeah, drag racing, and there's what? a picture of it, and we'll tweet out in a second. The picture of the Corvette that Fred Jackson crashed. Um, that's crazy. Uh, I'm glad he's okay, but why is this news? Want to be though. Well, you know, it's not news. It's just that it just happened. I think the thing that's that's weird is that, given all the stuff that's going on, and we're going to talk about Seattle in just a second. Like, yeah. I mean, athletes in drag racing, I, I'm not I'm not ever surprised. You know, I'm, it's unfortunate. I remember when Bobby Fields got killed uh, up in Charlotte uh, years ago. But, I mean, like, a lot of athletes think they're invincible. I just – yeah. it's easy for me to but say you, know you got to be smarter I, than that. But here's the thing. I, I, don't, I don't think it's about invincibility because, look, uh, and, and, and I find this, I, this, this is the craziest thing, but a lot of people, the dead-end uh, community, they don't, they don't know how big of a car person I am. It's not about invincibility. It's not about ego. It's not about none of that. It's about using that machine the way that it was intended to be used. That, mm-hmm. that, those cars are designed to go 200 miles an hour. Those cars have 600. Uh, I'm pretty sure that 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 the vet that um, Fred Jackson had, he didn't have no 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 1995 vet. He had the latest. Oh, he no, probably no. has the C7 Z06 with 650 horsepower, 650 pound feet of torque. And I know Marshawn Lynch has a fucking Lamborghini Aventador, which is 700 horsepower all wheel drive. Those cars are designed to go zero to sixty in two seconds. They're supposed to go fast. They're supposed to stop even faster. They're supposed to corner like a motherfucking I don't even know right now. But I have no issues with that. He didn't kill himself. Do it on the track if you want to be safe. Right, That's the way right. you're supposed to do it. That's the PC answer. But look, man, look, I go a hundred going to the job. There's no way I'm not going to tell no guy with a $100,000 Corvette and another guy with a $400,000 Lambo to, to do the speed limit. Are you serious? Come on, Kyle. Hey, man, if you do 100 going to the job, the only thing I'm going to tell you is be safe. That's all I'm going to tell you. to be alive. Be safe, yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to Thank you, Q. Uh, phone number to call in is 646-478-0356. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Joined by my partners, man, my man FIFO, my man Ken, and filling in for B, uh, our boy Q, the six man. Hit us up, 646-478-0356. Speaking of, um, why not? Like, where we go? We can go to, we got to go to college, man. This Louisville thing, we talked about it a couple (laughs) weeks ago. What a time, indeed. Um, (laughs) 
we talked about it a couple of weeks weeks ago when the, when the story broke. Uh, apparently, the book is out. A uh, young lady who is a I guess I could describe her as a madam or a hooker. Um, she has released a book, and then the book it talks about, and she did an a a, a uh, an interview with uh, ESPN's Outside the Lines, where she details. Uh, you know the tryst that she had with these players. She she was basically her and her uh, group of young ladies were paid not her only daughters. to dance for, and yes, she also used some of her daughters. Um, not only were they paid to dance and strip for basketball players at the University of uh, Louisville, but they were also paid quote unquote side deals, and the side deals meant sex. So. Here's what we have here now. This now this all of this was brokered by a former graduate assistant who is no longer with the University of, of Louisville. Um, but now with this lady with the book coming out, this outside the line story, uh, Rick Pitino said a couple of weeks ago that he had no knowledge of any of this. Um, Ken, I'll start with you, man. Can Rick Pitino? survive this scandal or what do you think is going to ultimately happen to him um it depends on whether or not they could they could tie anything to him um he has plausible deniability going in in his favor right now um claiming he doesn't know anything even though somebody tried to put him under the bus um as long as they don't have any type of, of records or anything like that you know, to to attach it to him, he could he could continue to deny, 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 and and take that all the way to the grave, and and that'll be that, and then, you know, it'll be another incident that'll be long forgotten, you know, in in the history of college football, I mean college sports, you know, um, I think it's it's it's, it's a, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's not something that's uncommon, and and I think when. You know, you share the story, you talk about the story. You know, that's one of the things that people tend to say, oh, this type of stuff is, you know, happens all the time. Well, yeah, we, we've been around for a while. We kind of know that. Uh, what what makes this story interesting is is the fact that she was using her daughters. And, and I, I don't even think interesting is, is the right word for it, but, you know, it's almost tragic when, when you look at it. Um, it's, it's this big sex scandal, this sex you know, ring that they have going on that McGee, um, you know, brought into play because he was afraid for for his job. He wanted to save his job. Ultimately, he probably going to end up causing his job anyway because now the story is broke. You know, and and I guess she's writing this book because that money is gone now. You know, she must be eating good at 10k a pop, mm-hmm. but. You know, it, it, it's it's just you know, and then one of the the girls was, was seventeen, you know, and, and who knows what type of stuff goes on, man, when you know around these universities, and you know these colleges they'll do anything to get players, but yeah, man, the the whole thing about like my jaw dropped when I saw that one of the girls were her daughter, and then the other one. You know, uh, jumped in it as well, and you know, I, 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 and and they didn't seem to have a, a problem with it. Like, how do you, how do you even raise a child? I, I don't know, man. It, it, that that part yeah. right there stood out to me the most um, out of the whole thing. 
know, and, and and the way this whole operation was was going down. I mean, you're talking about college kids; they're gonna take anything you know, they, damn near anything you put in front of them. You know, so you know they're not gonna turn it down. They're gonna enjoy themselves. They're gonna be college kids. They're gonna do what college athletes, you know, would probably tend to do. You know, but for this adult, you know, and and the argument can be made that the college kids are adults as well. You know, I get it. But, you know, there's a certain level of maturity that scientifically has proven that most adults do not, most men don't mature until around age 23 or 24 or whatever. Um, but that's a whole other topic. But you have an adult that's sitting here that's orchestrating this whole thing for his benefit. For his benefit, not for the benefit of the players, for his right. benefit. What if something happened to to one of those girls or what if something happened to where one of those kids contracted some type of sexual transmitted disease all because he wanted to save his job that within itself man you know should should be a crime so um hopefully you know patino don't know anything about that man for you know him for to be the type of coach that he is but um it, it would be hard pressed for him not to but i could see mcgee um orchestrating the whole thing behind his back if he's in fear of losing his job more than, you know, them having a problem with getting recruits to come play for Louisville. No doubt. What about you, Tifo? Uh, do you think Patino can, can survive this, uh, this, this scandal that is uh, basically rocking his program right now? You know, um, I, I didn't know some of those details that uh, Ken just hit that in sports with. Um, that that's extremely disturbing. Um, I'm 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 not sure. Um, I, I feel like coaches have been able to you know maneuver their way through some of these murky waters that they put themselves in, um, and, and and sometimes they survive and sometimes they don't. To tell you the truth, I, I really don't know. Uh, I think only time will tell. In all honesty, um, I, I don't think that Patino is done coaching. I tell you that, even if it's not at Louisville, uh, I, I don't think I don't think he's done coaching. But um, I just think that it, 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 it's kind of sad, and it just shows you why amateurism, it, it really doesn't work. It's, it's like prohibition. It, it, it does not work. It does not work, not in a capitalistic society. So you have all of these people making money off of you, but they need you to come here, so they're going to try to entice you. It, 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 it's just it, there's a lot of gray area, um, and, and I don't like it. And I think that we have to really look at – how we change just the system because we're always trying to fix and I, and I and I'm talking to just broad now just not Rick Pitino but in terms of our country in terms of basketball in terms of NCAA just a lot of things a lot of times the systems that we have in place don't work we need new systems don't try to keep patching up a, a, a leak that's not going to fix the leak you have to cut that pipe off Reweld some shit and then you fix the leak. That's how you fix it. And I think until we actually look at this and make some true systematic changes across the board of everything that we do here in America, we're gonna have situations like this all the time. And and and, right. and, and believe you me that there's other other colleges that this is happening. They may not be <clears throat> excuse me, as high profile 
they may they may be flying under the radar for now. We may not know about them until the next two or three years. But guess what? Louisville's not the only one. Oh, <laughs> no question. They're not the only one. Not the first, not the last. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, Q? Uh, do you think uh, Patino survives this? Yeah. I think he survives it as long as they can't trace nothing back to him, yo. No trace, no case. Um, when it comes to this, uh, it is very, very weird. Um, when I was watching it, I just first thing that popped into my mind was just the fact that she just superheaded the entire industry. Uh, she untold right. on everybody. Um, for real, uh, it was crazy because when you think about it and like some of the details that she was talking about, she said that. Um, just she said that her daughters, without doing side deals, and by side deals I mean sexual acts, uh, she said that they would make like five hundred, six hundred dollars, and just doing for doing a, a dance or something, doing a lap dance or something, and then players would be like, "Yo, what's up?" Like, you know, what I'm saying they would pay their other, like they pay their daughters an additional like, like a thousand dollars, and they would be doing this like for weeks, and they would be racking up every week, and I think it just speaks to the fact that I really hope that this blows like the doors off of this whole we can't pay college athletes thing. And I know that they're going to try and coerce this into another reason why we shouldn't pay college athletes because look what they'll do, but it's not it's not them. It's the fact that you have universities where they're trying to attract these kids because they see them as commodities. It's almost like a, you right. know, it's basically like plantation type of man, a, a mentality. I got to bring these guys in to to do all this work for me, but when it's time to actually like pay up, nah, I'm not gonna do it because they're just property. And they look at these kids like like property, and they try to attract them to their schools, and yet they never give them the compensation that they deserve when they're bringing in billions of dollars upon millions upon billions. And just this case alone just shows to me that. There's an underworld of the college basketball or just college sports in general that we don't even know about. Uh, I didn't even mm-hmm. know the schools did stuff like this to an extent. I thought schools would, you know, just, you know, maybe put some money in a kid's pocket or help them buy a pizza here and there. I might even all the way up, up to give them thousands of dollars just to stay at a school. But I never knew that an assistant to the program would go so, so far to keep his job to contract. Like, he had her on a contract. And yeah. we're talking about recruits. We're, we're talking about people like Terry Rozier, who's now on the Celtics. He just got drafted this year, who mm-hmm. apparently was on, on, on that list. Uh, people like Russ Smith, who's on the Pelicans, was on that list. And if Rick Pitino did know about this, his ass is gone because this is just disgusting behavior on his part. And we're just seeing it, like, week by week, year by year, man. These college coaches are getting exposed. Larry Brown, um, man, that's a bad situation. I forget the dude in Syracuse. It's all getting thrown Jim out. Jim Beham, yeah. And Jim yeah. Beham, it's all getting thrown out, out there, man. And I really hope that Patino didn't have anything to do with it because that would make me look at him from a moral standpoint as just a slime, man. Like he, just, he would be disgusting in my eyes because for a mother to do this to her children – and I don't know what under circumstances that she, if she made them or if they just happened to stumble upon it. But as a mother to do this to your 17 year old and your 19 year old child, 
I think it's absolutely deplorable. And behavior like this cannot be tolerated on any university. And if the coach did know that he should be gone as soon as they found out this information. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And, and, and I think part of the issue, too, is I thought Patino, and I still, I don't think, I think Patino will, will I think they're ultimately going to get hit with some sanctions. They're going to lose scholarships. I don't think he's going to lose his job. Um, I think when I initially heard the story, I said, well, you know, is it plausible that it could have happened under his nose and he not know about it? Yeah, that's possible. But when I found out today via this lady's interview that all of this stuff took place in the dorm, there's no way in hell Patino didn't know. I mean, because here's the thing. In college athletes, you spend so much time with your coaches to the point where, I mean, like you spend more time, but they spend more time with you than they do their own family. So if you're not, mm. even if you're not in season, you're working out, you're doing something, you're, 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 you're preparing your body. And I'll put it like this. If this had happened with football, because you're talking about 100 guys on a team, I think it's possible that it probably could have happened in a football dorm because you got 100 guys in a dorm. It's possible it could have gone down and the coach is not known about it. It's possible. But when you're talking about 12, 15 basketball players, there's no, especially, and you got to keep in mind, this is a high-profile program like Louisville where Rick Pitino, that's his legacy. I mean, his, his fingerprints are all over that program. There's no way in hell that he didn't know anything. I, I refuse to believe. Now, whether or not, you know, anything happens remains to be seen. But, no, he's not going to tell me that he didn't know. There's no – Rick Pitino knows what classes his kids are taking. He know where, knows where these guys are. He knows when they're tweeting. He knows He knows everything. He knows everything about that program. He knows, like you said, Q, the, these guys that came in as recruits. Now, he Pitino may not have said, hey, man – you know, we got some, you know, we got some five-star recruits coming in this weekend. Make sure that you get you call up old girl and, and, and bring in her team and they show him a good time. He may not have said that, but trust me, he knew what was going on. There's no way that, that if, if all of this stuff had happened in an off-campus apartment, you know what, I'd give Rick, Rick Patino the benefit of the doubt. But the fact that it happened at the dorm and like she said in her interview, she said, loud music, women, alcohol, drugs, you know, she was like sex. She was like, there's no way that he couldn't have known. And I, and I, and I, and I truly believe that now, you know, whether or not you believe her or hope her motive behind it, you know, that's, that's another story for another day, but we'll see what happens. The NCAA will be investigating and I'm, I'm told that they're actually, yeah, they, they're actually investigating her because they want to make sure that, her children were not minors at the time that these incidents occurred, and they could. And I'm, I'm, I heard rumors that they could have been minors, but I'm not sure because I'm not sure if their ages have been truly confirmed. Okay, they were 17 at the time. I mean, that's still. I heard, I heard, I heard one was 17, and one was 19, but, the, but I don't know still, what the age of consent daughters. is. It's disgusting, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's disgusting. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. I mean, I think the the yeah. legal age in Kentucky for consensual sex is 16. I think it said it in the article. Yeah, okay. so she she might be good. I mean, but still, but regardless, but still, regardless, yeah, man, still, like you're, you're doing this, you're yeah, pimping you're out your, your daughters to prospects, man. It's just it's disgusting. It's crazy. 
646-478-0356. Man, we got a couple phone calls. Let's not keep them waiting. Let's go to area code 410. Our boy AJ from B More. AJ, what up, man? What's going on, yo? Chilling, chilling. What's up with you, man? I'm all right, man. I'm I'm, I'm living, man. I'm just, I'm just ready for, for the next football season. You know, we're just getting ready for the next year, man. Can't wait. <laughs> that draft pick, uh, Tough. AJ's a big Ravens fan. Tough loss, man. You guys took one on the chin to the uh, San Francisco 49ers, man. Y'all got a lumpy chin. Corners, <laughs> uh, man. Corners, corners. DBs can't trust them. We got like six, seven strength DBs out there playing right now. So, you know what happens, but we'll, 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 we'll be back. We will be back, I guarantee it. But nah, man, um, I'm a little surprised at some of y'all responses with this Patino thing, man. Um, y'all seem kind of, y'all sound like a little, a little naive to it. Like, do y'all really think Rick is, I, I gotta put this. I'm pretty sure if Rick, let's say Rick, if Patino, if he even knew, first of all, I don't, I don't think he knew just because he's Rick fucking Patino. Like, I'm a boss. I don't have to know shit. Like, I'm right. So I got people to handle that for me. I'm pretty sure guys are coming in and he's like, "Hey, you know, um, you know, meet me. We'll talk basketball. You know, I'll tell him what's going on. Y'all show him around town, do all that other shit." Like, and I wash my hands over. It's, it's Rick Pitino. I'm pretty sure he doesn't care. I had a friend who went to Alabama about four years ago. You know, as a uh, you know, as, as, as one of those on the bubble recruits. You know, it's, it's the guy that brings in see if it works out. He said he met Saban like once his whole time there, like once, like never, he like never even spoke right. to him. Like Nick, Nick has a big door. Like, like, like Rick's a boss, man. This to me, and I also think y'all kind of went a little off topic as far as um with the them paying guys. Like to me, this this problem demonstrates just how crooked uh recruiting is, man. For most of these fucking programs, like it's it's kind of like man, these aren't these aren't institutions, man. These are businesses. And most, if not all, successful businesses have some dirty shit underneath it, or they're built, they're built on bodies, like they're kind of built on, you know, some fucked up shit. So is it really mm. that surprising that now my sex is going to a, a way a little bit too far in the fact that you know this shit was actually written down and it was a system to it? That's very that that that, that, that that's incredibly thorough, in my opinion. But I'm not surprised at all if you know you um you, you fly out with a couple of guys and y'all meet the players and you know y'all 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 stand the night so y'all gonna go out and go get lap dances and shit and drink knowing good and goddamn well that the drinking age is 21. Like these, these right. schools don't care, man. The only thing that matters is winning. Like <laughs> that's it. That is the only well, you, thing that matters. Winning. You know what? AJ, that's all the schools care about. I, I don't think we. I don't think we're we're naive. I don't think we're we're. I mean, because like I said, the story broke two weeks ago. It's just this interview and the book just came out. I think the thing was the thing that kind of surprised us is the 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 part about the lady with her daughters. I think that's the thing that kind of. I mean, like really, you tricking out your daughter? Like, no, this this type of stuff happens on every campus, every sport, and that and that doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. Um, right. You know, it is real. I'll be I'll be honest. When I was recruited to go to college, to, to go to college to play football, South Carolina State, uh, there were no hookers there for me. I uh, kind of wish there was, <laughs> but <laughs> they didn't have any hookers back in my day. But you wasn't I nice enough, Kyle. Team, <laughs> you know what? You wasn't I, mean? nice I, was, strong, Kyle. I wasn't because 
when I talked to a couple of my teammates about this situation, they said, yeah, yeah, man, we had some on our recruit trip. I'm like, well, damn, did I come on a bad weekend or something? But um, I, I said all that to say this, man. It, it happens, and I'm not – I don't think we're none of us are naive. I think it's just, you know, just the, the levels of – and then, like you said, she kept a journal. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe she saw this book coming years ago, and, uh, and you referenced it best. She superheaded this thing. Superhead did the same thing. Shut up, shut him up. Yeah, man, just, you know, I guess it might have been just me because it kind of seemed like y'all were putting, like, mad blame on Louisville and, you know, Patino, which which is rightfully so. Like, this is wrong. Like, this is morally wrong, but this is better in sports, and let's keep it real. This shit, like, like I said, this shit does happen. Like, it's, it's real. Like, it, it is what it is. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. But it's a fact, mm-hmm. and, 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 and even at, at any level, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they bought Reggie Bush's mother like a trailer or some shit. Like, like, like this shit happens on the regular. And my main point as far as them paying the kids, because I know, like, this, this comes up almost every year <laughs> in college. Like, should we pay him? Should we pay him? Should we pay him? The main problem with that is to be truthful about it is that most of these, all, uh, the majority of these schools can't really afford that. Like, how many schools can really afford, you know, a Johnny Manziel or right. uh, a, a, a Damian Clowney? Like, if you're real about it, they're all going to Bama. They're all going to Bama or Texas or LSU. Like, those big – they're all going to the SEC pretty much and maybe Ohio State. But, but most of these schools can't afford to pay, you know, five, six-star recruits the kind of money that they really want to want. If, if, right. if that's the case, if that's the case, if they start competing with wages, it's like, hey, well, we'll pay you this much. Okay, well, we'll pay you this much. Then, I don't know. I'm going to go to the school that pays me the most for one, because it's the most money, and two, they'll probably give me the most attention. And and that to me is really like the main thing, aside from that moral righteous crap about you know, you guys being students, and you know, I, I guess making like you getting paid kind of make you seem like you don't give a like you just don't give a fuck about nothing else because I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie. If I when I was in I'm still in college now, but when I was actively playing full time college sports, and if I'm getting paid, I'm not giving a fuck about nothing. <laughs> I fuck everything, fuck school. I'm trying right. to get paid. I'm, 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 all my attention is going to you know the game. So that's what it is now, though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the coach pretty much wants you to do that now. You're absolutely right. But, yeah, that's that's interesting. I think that was something that we we had we actually had an argument about once about you know um, what happens when you play when you pay the players and and their money. Oh yeah, we had a, we had a huge argument about that. There's a big ass argument. Hindu called in too. Um, yeah, 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 and and we had one on on, on video as well. But I, I, I just want to kind of right. uh, yeah address something that that you said, um, AJ, because you know I, I've you know I. You know, we're in Atlanta, man, and I, I know, you know, plenty of uh, people at high schools and stuff like that and, and have conversations with them. And I've heard stories of, of guys going off to colleges, having it made, the mamas are made here, you know, having it made. And, right. mm-hmm. and you know, and, and all of a sudden they'll mess up and then, then all of that's cut off and everything. Like, I've heard stories. So, you know, I think, you know, in regards to this story, for me, like when it when it broke, and you see the headlines, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, another institution busted for, you know, some you know violation, right? Um, but I think there's there's one thing there's there's 
there's one thing when it comes to a university, you know, showing um, favoritism or benefits or, or, or you know, trying to do whatever they can to recruit players, you know, by, by showing them a good time when they're here. I think there's another um, – it's another situation when you have one guy that's trying to, to manipulate players in order to save his job. You know, because I think right. at that point it's not the institution that he's necessarily working for. He's not doing this um, directly under the guise of the institution to to make them, you know, better. You know, he's doing this so he can continue to get paid. So mm-hmm. it becomes like um, it, it's self-serving for him. It's a selfish act for him to put these 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 kids at risk. You know, for doing this, and you know, so so that's kind of how I look at it. In addition to, of course, you know, the Dardis as well, which which made it that much more stunning. But when you really sit down and look at it, you know, it, what is this guy's intent? You know, and and they were saying that he was he he felt that he was about to lose his job, and he wanted to do mm-hmm. what he could to keep his job. I don't oh, think that man. had anything to do with the university. Yeah. Okay, man, you sound like a lawyer for Louisville right now, man. Like you don't, you really don't think that they're in on that. You sound, you sound like a lawyer for Louisville right now. Like I, I guarantee you, that what, what Ken just said is going to be what they put out. Because is already telling people like, hey, you know, this is all on one person, and he needs to come out and tell the truth. That guy don't even work for them no more. He actually works under one of Patino's, uh subordinates at another uh, high-ranking uh, college. I forget the name of it, but I know he works under him. They got him out of there. Well, you 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 know how it goes, man. I mean, everything is all good until somebody gets caught. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like, and, and you mentioned like the the programs like Alabama and uh, yeah, these kids are going to these schools. Somebody's getting paid money. I mean, we heard we saw the thirty for thirty uh, for Marcus Dupree. He said they offered him an uh, 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 oil field. They offered his family an oil field. I mean, oil really? I mean, so oh, you know, it, it's that's not. That's not beyond the realm of comprehension. I think part of the issue is, is that once you get caught, then what do you do? What what do you say? You know, oh, how can you cover it up? One thing I think oh, we're God. missing here. One one thing I think we're all missing here, and I don't know if this is the same where y'all are at, but when you know when I was in high school and we we played um we was playing basketball, right? Our coach knew absolutely everything. Uh, our coach knew what we did on the weekend. Our coach knew who fought who at the party, and we would be at parties two hours away from the school. Like he, like there's no way he he knew we was at. We thought we was exempt from everything. We uh, he knew if we cheated on a test. I mean, he knew everything. So, and that was just in high school. So, to imagine a, a guy whose livelihood it is to keep track of his prospects, to know his players, to know his personnel. So. I don't believe I don't believe any time a coach says like unless it's something that's actually believable, like you know like a rape charge or a murder charge, something like that that can be proven. I don't believe any coach that tells me, oh, I had no knowledge of my players doing anything. You have 15 players on the basketball team, and they're all in one door. And they're probably they can all probably fit on one floor. You mean to tell me that when all those girls were getting buzzed in every weekend from the from the front desk, that no one noticed a pattern of the of they were going up to the second floor to meet those guys? I don't know if their college has a signing sheet. Mine does. Most do. Most right. have a visitor's pass. Like you know what I'm saying? So it's just like there's no like, hey, uh, hey, uh, coach, you know them girls are up on the floor again. 
Oh, really? Again? Who are those people? Even if then right. he didn't know, he could have asked. There's no way that the players aren't in, in the locker room talking about it. Yo, that was a wild weekend. He comes in, hears it. There's no way he doesn't have knowledge of it. There's no way. There is no way. So, exactly. yeah, Rick Patino, he has to have some knowledge. Even if it is just minuscule enough to know that it was happening and he didn't say anything about it, if he didn't commission it, that's fine. But as a coach, if you know this is Sandusky all over again, if you even knew, no matter if you didn't do it, just because you knew you are guilty. And I, I'm not disagreeing with that, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's real. Like, this is Rick Pitino we're talking about. Just, just me, you know, most prospects, this, this dude won the tournament like three or four years ago. Just that's, that's still pretty recent. This me meeting you should be right. Enough. And this, this, and, and this and is I, also a man who got caught up in a, an extortion scam and had sex with a woman in a public uh, restaurant and then paid her subsequent money for her quote-unquote medical bills, a.k.a. an abortion. So, it is what it is. Rick ain't got time for that shit. Like, just... I, I, totally agree, I totally agree with you when he was like, you know, he might not know the specifics of, you know, who's piping who, who's paying right, what. Oh, Rick, no. But, 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 but I'm pretty sure he knew. I'm pretty sure. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure he knew, you know, I'm pretty sure he knows what what certain numbers are called and, you know, what certain nights are going on and he knows. What, what, and what certain parties and things. I'm sure they had drugs in there and all that shit. And then, to me, that right. to me, all these colleges just kind of use that as a tool. Now, mind you, I've never been to Louisville before. Um, I had a friend who, well, a coworker who who used to travel, and I failed to work. And he went out there. He mentioned himself and really shit down there to begin with. So, you know, you got to do all you can. You got to do all, all you can get. So, I, and I'm not saying once again, I'm not saying it's it's right, but I mean it's kind of real and. It's, it's kind of one of the one of them unwritten tactics, man. It's just it is what it is. Like yeah. we gotta do whatever, we, yeah. We gotta do whatever we can to get talent, and that's why my whole yeah. thing. And, and that's why I kind of was getting at Ken when he was like, you know, this guy's manipulating him to keep his job. He's doing his job. Like Rich always trying to look, um, get, get get the players, get some more veterans, show them a good time, and that's that. I, I really do believe that's how Rick is left with. Like just show them a good time, and that's that. Like he really just at the age he's just give a fuck. Like, I don't know if y'all ever seen oh, yeah. uh, the TV. I don't know if y'all ever seen the TV show Friday Night Lights, but there was a few in, in some of the earlier uh, episodes in the seasons. There was a few times where that kind of happened, where the coach kind of was like, you know, um, don't get arrested, don't do nothing stupid. Now mind you, he didn't know everything, but man, shit got pretty wild, man. Like these was in there drinking and making out and with chicks and doing all kinds of just random shit and just. You know, getting away with it because I mean, it's football in Texas. So, right. <laughs> so you imagine how important that is. Like, that's what I mean, man. This to me is a societal problem. Like, winning is all we care about. The end result was all that. Oh, matters. It, it, that and that's it, that's all that, that that's all that matters because that's what saves jobs. I mean, you 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 know, if you if you got this kind of scandal and you don't have a national title sitting on your wall, then yeah, yeah, he probably right. you know if this was if yeah he would have been he would have been fired two weeks ago. Um, hey, hey, we got a couple more calls and we got to get to. Hey, as always, AJ, man, thanks for calling in. We definitely appreciate the love, brother. All right, y'all. Take it easy. No snitching. Peace. Phone number, AJ, call 646 
Um, before we jump back to the phone lines, I want to throw one quick one at you. Uh, man, the Seattle, excuse me, the uh, Carolina Panthers go to Seattle and get the win. Cam Newton game winning drive. Man, that game featured four, not one, not two, not three, but four 80 yard scoring drives from Carolina. Uh, Newton drives the length of the field, 80 yard drive, hits uh, uh, Olsen, the tight end, for the touchdown. And um, they beat Seattle in Seattle, a place where it, it is very tough to get a win. Um, Seattle, man, has they, they've been outscored. And this is like the second or third time they've blown a lead in the fourth quarter. They've been outscored 48-9 to nine in the fourth quarter alone. Um, so, so, Q, I'll throw it to you, man. Uh, who was this bigger for? Did this, did this say more about Carolina, or did it say more about where uh, Seattle has fallen off? Um, it is on – it's a little bit of both, but bear with me here. I want to give all props to Cam MVP Newton. That boy is playing out of his mind right now. He's the only reason that they are 5-0. and uh, well, not the only reason, but he's the main reason why they are five and zero. And that defense has come back now. Uh, Keekley's back, and he's he's wrecking shit like always. Uh, top three in his position. So the Carolina Panthers, man, they're just playing good football right now. They're playing hard nose, like just foot, like foot and hand in the ground type defense. Love it. Um, and then I just have to give them all that credit. But then I have to put blame. Also on Seattle, man, because just Seattle, man, they could easily only have won one game up through six weeks very easily. Um, I give them the pass for losing to Aaron Rodgers, uh, I, even though Russell threw an interception, which was bullshit. Um, losing to the Rams on that Nick Foles bomb, which is just so hilarious for me to say, a Nick Foles bomb. When has Nick Foles ever bombed anything? Uh, losing to almost should have lost by rule definition should have lost to the um this nigga should have lost like to the uh to the Lions, Beasy's team, but they you know the whole uh, bad out of hell play. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks they have problems. Their problems are the fact that their defense has lost a lot of pieces outside of you know their secondary, and I feel as though they don't trust their coach. Uh, they traded away their entire offensive line. Russell Wilson is running around trying to have, he's having to make plays that he's never had to make before. Um, you know, they they would call on, on Russell's feet a couple times a game. Now, now, now that they traded Max Unger, their Pro Bowl center, I believe, there's no one on that yeah. offensive line from, I believe, two, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. There's no one from that line. They're all, uh, you know, replacements, and they're all, you know, guys that they bought off the trash heap. And it's sad to me because I think the biggest problem is that fact that they haven't learned to trust each other again. I think they are still reeling from that devastating loss in the Super Bowl, which they had in the bag. You know, we all know he should have run it. Yes, he should have. But the fact that you have Jimmy Graham and you cannot get him at least 100 yards a game, the fact that you have Tyler Lockett, to me, who is – Far in away, the rookie of the year for me. His his uh his punt returning is ridiculous. Him and Amari are my top two. 
Um, the fact that you have Marshawn Lynch, Fred Jackson, and that other kid who ran for like 145 yards on Cincinnati, the fact that you cannot get those guys involved, the fact that you can't get Doug Baldwin and those guys the ball, it's just shameful, man, because he Carroll is he he's the person to blame for all of this. He's the person to blame for all of this. He didn't want to do the right thing in the Super Bowl, and now they don't trust him. They're not trusting each other. Cam Chancellor, you have not paid that man. So, of course, those first couple, those three weeks, he looks like, you know, the the, the team's defense looked like it lost its heart. When you won against Detroit, that was a fraudulent play. Should have been a one-yard on the Detroit ball. You know, and just looking back on their success, I think the thing that they had going for them the most was an edge. They have an edge. Now, their defense, I don't think their defense is better than Pittsburgh, man. And I'm being dead serious. I, I don't see... Seattle's defense looking elite. Sherman, he's looked very okay to me this year. Uh, Cam Chancellor, he's made a, a great play, like he said, you know, um, in Detroit, like everyone was talking about. But outside of them, Earl Thomas has looked hindered. He hasn't been laying the wood like, like he all, always has. Uh, Bobby Wagner, he's been in and out of the lineup. They've had a lot of injuries. Marshawn had a hamstring. He was out for two weeks. And they haven't been able to have cohesion. And it's just final thoughts on this. I think Seattle is teetering on completely missing the playoffs altogether. And they have to protect Russell Wilson. Starts with that. Great, that's a great point. Great, great point. What about you, FIFO? Was this more about uh, the Panthers' ascension up the ladder or uh, Seattle's demise? Um, I want to definitely tackle that, but I want to address a couple of things that Q said. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I don't think that it's Pete Carroll's overall issue, and I wouldn't say it's him to blame. I'm going to quote one of my favorite people because he has so many quotables. They're suffering from success. Oh, God. Like they're, they're, they're suffering. Like what, what, what I see right now, they're suffering from success. You're 100% right. They don't 100% trust the coaching staff. They, it's not that they don't trust Pete Carroll. They trust Pete Carroll. They don't have Todd Bowles. They don't have um, who, who, who's our head coach now for the Falcons? Um, Dan Quinn. What's his name? They don't have Dan Quinn. They don't have a lot of guys because when you become successful, people want part of that success. And especially in the NFL, you know that there's a whole bunch of coaching trees. Pete Carroll is starting one of those. So now he has a coaching tree. So that's why I'm saying that they're suffering from success. You can't keep the same. You can't keep the same roster. You can't keep the same players. You can't do those type of things. There's going to be attrition, especially in the NFL. Now, are there some points that I agree with you? Yeah, Russell Wilson needs a better O line. But you know what? You can kind of make do without because of how. Um, how mobile he is. Now, of course, they need to get better in that arena. They needed to get better at wide receiver, but they gave him Jimmy Graham. Um, obviously, Cam Chancellor wasn't there at the beginning of the season, so this is sort of like his preseason. Yeah, they don't trust that defense. Why? Because, yes, they have great players, but guess what made them great? The scheme. They're not trusting the scheme. They're not trusting each other. They're not trusting their defensive 
coordinator. All of that stuff comes with time. They didn't, and you're 100% right, Earl Thomas came into the season with a shoulder injury, so he hasn't been 100%. You know what I'm saying? Look, they, they, and they might not make the playoffs. And the crazy part about it is pretty much everybody on Dead in Sports picked them to make the Super Bowl again, to make another Super Bowl run. But they are in the toughest division in football. That's not their problem. They just have to try to adapt and try to make the playoffs. Now, are they still a good team? They are. They do lack cohesion because they didn't have all of their pieces there. Let's look at the year before and the two years that they made the Super Bowl runs. They were one of the healthiest teams. And, look, with all of the moves and this, that, and the third, you can't blame Pete Carroll. Like, look, you have to give him praise for the 98 roster moves he made in, like, one offseason to to, to establish the foundation of who the Seattle Seahawks are, he's in the transitional period. We've had success. Now we have to maintain it. You're not going to keep every single person. People got to get paid. You got to draft people. You have to mm-hmm. maintain the ship, and the ship is going to change. We're, see, we're <coughs> witnessing that change. This is the first year that we're seeing change. So all I'm saying is we can't throw Pete Carroll under the bus because they're still one of the better teams and scariest teams in the NFL. They just haven't gotten on the right track. Now, does it mean – was that win bigger for Seattle? I mean, was that win big for Carolina or was the loss bigger for Seattle? And, again, I agree with you. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of Carolina because now you have to, you know, open your eyes and nod your head and be like, yo, Cam, great job. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because at the end of the day, that, that defense is still a pretty damn good defense. Then you have to look at Seattle and be like, damn, y'all not who we thought you were. You know what I'm saying? Because because you you shouldn't lose a game like that. And realistically, they shouldn't have lost any of the games this season because they've been up by two or more scores in every fourth quarter. So they're not finishing. They're not finishing. It's yeah. one component yeah, of, of, of winning football. They're doing everything but finishing. They're in position to win games. Every single game that they've been in, they haven't finished. So – is that Pete Carroll? Yes, I put a little bit of blame there. I put a little blame on the coach. I put a little blame on the staff, a little blame on the players, because it's overall. So I'm I'm still not worried. I, I'm not worried because they don't you look think that, you think like they, can make the they just lost themselves. What was that? You think that they can make the playoffs? Oh, man, it, I think saying. that they still could, but but they're definitely behind the eight ball because they're in the toughest division and they're in the NFC. Yep. So it, that that's tough. That's tough because realistically, right now, St. Louis looks almost better than them because they've had to say they they've had a, a top five defense for the last three three years. Now they have a, a a big boy running back. They have a quarterback that can actually throw the rock, and they've been had weapons. So, 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 so they're scarier to me than Seattle right now, and I'll probably give them the nod. I'm gonna still keep my my pick of Super Bowl um, with Seattle, but yo, I, you know, I'm, I'm questioning myself right now based off of what I'm seeing. <laughs> do you do you all blame Bevel? Let me ask you all that. Do you all blame Bevel? I, I see a lot of Seattle fans on Twitter and uh, other social media sites, and they're always going in on. The offensive coordinator, I think his name is Daryl Bevel, and they say he does yeah, not know yeah. how to use the the weapons that they have. He's like I've seen a lot I of agree. comments where they're like, Jimmy Graham is not going to block. Stop giving him blocking. 
let Tyler Lockett run in space. You have to use Doug Baldwin on fly routes. You have to get Marshawn Lynch the ball, throw him the ball, <laughs> and they're not using Russell on rollouts, stuff like that. Do you all agree that Daryl Bevel, I believe that's his name, is a part of the problem just as much as uh, Pete Carroll might be or some other things? I think on the coaching staff, he is the biggest problem because we knew that they didn't have to tweak the defense. The defense was championship, all-time great defense. They didn't have to make any adjustments there. For them to get over the hump, everybody knew was their offense. Their offense was holding them back. So, obviously, you bring in this guy. You bring in Jimmy Graham. You still have Beast Mode. You have one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league. You should be a better offense, and they're not. So, to me, that is a direct correlation to that offensive coordinator because an offensive coordinator can make or break your offense and we've seen it we just talked about it with Bruce Arians so you have to be able to either have a philosophy and hopefully that philosophy fits the team that you're going to or you're one of those coaches that says yo I have this okay I know how to design plays for you and I have you and I know how to design plays for you and I know how to make all of this work like a la a Sean Payton so mm-hmm. I don't know who this guy is. I don't remember where he was coaching before this, but I'll tell you this, it does not look good right now. No right. doubt, no doubt. What about you, Ken? What's, what's your take on it? Well, um, that was a win the, the Panthers needed to um, prove that they are legit. The only problem is that it came against a Seahawks team that we all know is struggling. So um, how legit is, is the win outside of them coming back to winning, which is a credit, you know, of course, to, to Cam Newton. Um, so props to him, and I'm glad to see that brother succeeding. Y'all know me, pro brother, all day. Oh, it came brother. at the expense of a, yeah, it came at the expense of another brother, but but that's okay because um, time. I'll be alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, look, they'll, they'll make the – oh, that's a home run. Oh, at the track. Um, they'll make the playoffs. I'm I'm not worried about that. I think they'll be okay. Um, you know, two of those losses came without Cam. That was an organizational, organizational decision um, in addition to a, a personal decision by, by, by um, Cam Chancellor, and it cost them two wins. You know, um, but more importantly, I think it, it, it really comes down to what what people said, and I didn't really think about it until he said it. You have to look at the changes on that coaching staff as to why this team is, is struggling, and in addition to a lot of the different bodies that they lost on on that defense, because now they're trying to plug in guys um, to a scheme, a defensive scheme that lost the guy that created the whole scheme. So now. You know, I don't know what they're running. I don't know if they're running a different scheme uh, from what uh, Quinn was running or Bowles were running, uh, whoever was running that, that whole defense last year. But they lost two guys, two guys that if you look at the NFL, um, at, at, if you look at their success so far in the NFL, Bowles is 4-1 in, in, in New York. Quinn is 5-1 in, in Atlanta. The they were on the staff. <laughs> of the Seattle Seahawks and they're gone and and they're no longer there and and they have Richard Sherman playing all over the field so that's an adjustment that he has to make so I think they'll be fine all they have to do is just 
catch their rhythm, get in sync, and start winning some games. And we know when when they turn up, it's, it's going to be a nightmare. They they struggled a bit last year, and eventually they caught fire and they just they just wrecked the league all the way to the Super Bowl. So I'm like FIFA, man. I'm still confident in in my pick. Mm. I think this is a good situation for them to be in because you know as soon as they figure out what those problems are and they tweak it and they solve it, you know who knows what can happen from here. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think um, it, it was definitely big for. I think it was bigger for Carolina because. Uh, you know, coming into the game, Carolina was four and zero, and and all they heard uh, up until that point was, "Well, you haven't played anybody," and technically they hadn't played anybody. Um, but to go out west, and this is a team that have knocked them out of the playoffs the last couple of years, that they played some tough games. They chronicled it during the game. Um, really tough, gritty game. I mean, like they were. If you saw the game, there was there was almost a skirmish almost after every play in the first half. I mean, like, guys were pushing and shoving and jaw-jacking and everything. And I think what that kind of showed me was, like, Carolina wasn't going to back down. And, you know, it, and you got to give Cam some some mention for Cam Newton, um, some mention for MVP talk, even though, you know, Brady and and, uh, and Rodgers have been lights out. Um Cam is throwing a bunch of nobodies. I mean, let's just keep it 100. I mean, he he's not yeah. – Olsen is – Olsen is decent, but, I mean, really, the three of us on this call could probably be Cam's starting wide receivers. I mean, honestly. Uh, and I think he's what he's doing is he's turned. And, and the thing that I love about, and I'm not a Panthers fan, but I, I like to see him do well. And the thing that I liked about his game, that you know, it was all from the pocket. You know, they, they you know that was a big knock on Cam Newton, you know, that he couldn't throw from the pocket. He didn't do a lot of running around on Sunday. Uh, and that those eighty yard drives, I mean, he was back there slinging it. And I mean, when I say slinging it, he was slinging the ball all over the place. So I think that was a big win for them. I think Seattle's going to be okay. Whatever they have wrong, they better fix it and fix it quick. Because like Kefo said, Arizona's already out there, um, and you know, and they're already behind the eight ball, so they can't afford to drop any more games. Um, they got to pick it up, and they don't have a lot of time. But, you know, if they were in the NFC East. Well, they'd be <laughs> they'd be in good shape, but um, that West is tough, and those Rams are tough, and and you know it's, it's Seattle's schedule doesn't favor them down the stretch either. So you know that they have whatever the problem is, they have to fix it and fix it in a hurry. Uh, let's jump back to the phone lines. Let's go to area code five oh. Go ahead, go Hold ahead. On, All right, but. But here's the thing, right? It's not necessarily favorable when you look at the win-loss record against, you know, who they have to play, but it probably is favorable because what happens, if you look at a lot of the last Super Bowl champions, they catch fire late. And realistically, right. it's, it's a good motivational tool because now they know they can't lose. They are in playoff mode now. And if they can make the wild card, a lot of wild card teams win the Super Bowl because they are in playoff mode right now. So for me, I, I'm still that's why I can't pick against them because they can still catch fire. That 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 schedule down the stretch maybe isn't favorable in terms of like just picking a game, win loss right now, but you can't count them out when they play with such a defense like they do. And they can catch fire and win the Super Bowl again. So I so so I, I don't I don't know, man. I can't count them out. I'm doubt. Same here. I'm not counting them out at all. I'm not counting them out at all. Let's go to area code 508. 508, you're on with Dead End Sports. What's your name? Where are you calling from? 
What up, Kyle? What up, Pew? What up, Ken? What up, Cecil? What up, what up, Ryan? What's going on? Man, this, these Cubs fans look sorry. Some of them are ready to cry right now. <laughs> no, it's kind yeah. of I feel, I feel for them. I feel for them as a I Red Sox too. fan. Man, like, there yeah, was a woman did, they we... put the camera on, and she looks ready. Like, she, her hands are in her face, like like red face after that. Uh, the Mets are up 5-2 right now, and it's... It's not looking good. Yeah, yeah we, man. We, didn't, we uh, didn't even get a chance to get any baseball talk, but the Mets, the Mets are up five to two in the top of the eighth. Uh, they lead the series two zero. Um, in the other series that played earlier tonight, um, Kansas City defeated Toronto fourteen to two. Kansas City is up three one. I mean, like they crush them. You get a chance to check out the highlights. Yeah, it's, they're going it's, to the World Series. Yeah, it's sad, man, because I, I was really um, pulling for Chicago. Like, I really wanted them to go. But, you know, I, I'm – I mean, I like the Mets. And, you know, it's like it's tough for me to kind of root against – I, w- I would have been cool with, with either team, but I would have at least right. loved to see Chicago make it competitive. And right. to be honest, I, I think because of everything that Chicago has – has um, experienced over the last few years when it comes to, you know, the curse and playoffs and Bartman and all this other stuff, it just would have been nice to see them in, in, in the in the World Series. I feel like they deserve it. I feel like baseball needs it. You know what I'm saying? Like like we oh, got yeah. the Royals last year. Give, give us give us give us the Cubs and they mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're choking. But this pitching staff, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna so, I'll put it like this. Ken, you said it yourself when you said like the, one of the greatest sports upsets. If they pull what Boston did in 04, you got to give credit to Theo Epstein for being able to do that for two teams. Yeah, yeah, I agree. you gotta, you got to give credit now. I mean, I, the, the Cubs. Oh, yeah. Man, it's just, I mean, it's it's a, it's sad what's happening right now, but, you know, always you for them, the fans, and never say die, I guess. But, um, man, the Cubs, they deserve it to – taste some success and they'll be back even if they lose because Madden, I believe that's his name, has has turned them all around completely and they look like they're finally building program like you're building a program that's going to continually compete. And other teams in the MLB look like they're on on the downfall like the Yankees, like they're no longer the juggernaut that they were just five years ago the hey, Red Sox were in the transition whoa, period. Phillies are just abysmal. So the Cubs can take one of those teams' spots for a couple years, and they'll be back, man. Cubs fans, I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah, they're young. They're young. for busy. They know disappointment, and we know disappointment. But I think they can actually do something coming up in a couple years. Yeah, they won't. They'll be back next year if they if they get out. But we'll see. Of course, um, just like the Royals. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing. Uh, by the way, Ken, I, I have another example for you to give Q. About the whole wide receiver thing, Larry Fitzgerald last year to this year, the difference between Carson Palmer and Drew Stanton. That's a good example. He's balling. He's balling. Yeah. This Joe is yep. balling right now. I'm last not year, having this conversation. I just want to put it out there. I just want to put it out there. I'm just not. He's like 34. How old is Calvin? Come on now. <laughs> But Fitzgerald looked washed up last year. Oh and now God. look at him. Oh BZ put him at top really? five. BZ put really? him top five. Really? That's why I drafted him. I'm not having this. 
Well, 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 B put him in the top five because you know somebody in the group yeah, didn't, didn't put Megatron in their top five. But I, I digress. <laughs> yeah, he was right. <laughs> what, what else you got for us tonight, Ryan? Can we talk about the ridiculous, ludicrous of the whole situation with uh, Cameron Hayward being fined? What? For for yeah, wearing iron head on his eye it. black. Yeah, for those of you listening, article, uh, listeners, uh, his Cameron Hayward, uh, defensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, obviously, you, everybody knows this is uh, October's breast cancer breast cancer awareness month, um, and it's being celebrated in the NFL. You see players with pink on and the whole nine. Uh, well, Cameron Hayward, his his dad, uh, former NFL fullback Ironhead Hayward. Um, died years some years ago. He didn't die of breast cancer, but I think it was brain cancer. He had some type yeah. of cancer, nonetheless. Well, Craig Ironhead, I mean, excuse me, uh, Cameron Hayward of the Steelers decided to pay tribute to his father, and he decided. Now you know the little eye black things that appear up under your eyes that a lot of you see a lot of players wear. He wrote iron on one side and head on the other under both eyes. Um, the NFL has fined him. They fined him last week. And he he said he you know he didn't understood he was just paying tribute to his father, and he wore it again this past Sunday, and they subsequently find his ass again. Um, so so what's what's your take on that, Ryan? What 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 what's your thought process on that? After listening to like first TikTok about it, and then I looked up that article I sent you to like figure out you know what are the the rules about the whole the uniform rule can't be broken as Skip put it. Um, Otherwise, you open up Pandora's box, and then you got to figure out, oh, he, can you have this? Can you have this? And I'm just sitting there like, what's the big problem with him wearing? It's not even anything specific on the uniform. It's not like you're changing the primary color of it. You're writing the words Ironhead on an eye black. They can still tell right. you it's on the Steelers. Your name is on it. <laughs> it is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And they, he's done it, I think, for three weeks now, and now he just finds up to 11000 and I'm looking at the rules, yeah. and I see this this thing they did for this year because they put Greg Hardy uh, as a as a reference when he had like a face paint or a tattoo or something like that for his face. Like, you can't have that. So I'm like, that's the only thing I see, but it's on the eye black. They allow the eye black, and I'm like, why is this an issue? How is this violating the rules? You you allow eye black, but he can't write Ironhead on the eye black itself. How is that a violation? It's mind-blowing to me. And then they brought up a, a good reference point today because apparently as the NFL likes to skirt its power and when it's convenient for them, they allowed mm-hmm. – I forgot the player's name. They allowed one per, another player, I think maybe last year, didn't find him at all, but he I guess, violated the uniform rules. But they didn't find him at all, nothing about it. But now they're doing this to, to Hayward, and it's it's rescue. Plus, you had D'Angelo Williams who just wanted to wear uh, – what was it? The honorary pink thing yeah, around his arm or something like that. that. It's it's mind blowing to me that it's such a critical thing. And I looked it up how they I I didn't know all these years they mandated players that they had to wear matching colors on their on their shoes yep. to their uniforms. It, they had to when it just seemed like common sense to begin with. They had to like really that has to be mandated. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's yeah, like man, common it, sense. The NFL don't play, man. They, so no you're, fun you're in the position. At all. So you're in the position that he should be able to do this. He, 
The, the, yeah. the reason why the NFL does stuff like that is because, first of all, they're the biggest sports um, league, right? So they don't feel like they need to always be friendly to the players because they're they're still going to dominate their airways. But what I feel like they're missing is that when you promote those things, guess what? Right. You connect with the fans on a whole nother level. So that actually mm-hmm. increases your brand. And, right. and but they're so big and bad that they don't care. And then when they when they make those rules like you have to wear the same colors and stuff like that, like with your shoes and, and all of that, is because they want to stop the individuality of the players. Oh, yeah. Because the players they don't want the players' brands to be bigger than the NFL. And there's some oh players God. that their brands are already bigger than the NFL, but they want to control it as much as possible. Because now you're talking about having specific deals with, you know, brands and things like that when when the NFL is not getting a piece of that. And they, they don't want that to happen. They don't want any individual to be bigger than the NFL, kind of how Jordan was bigger than the NBA. They don't want that to happen. So, so they're going to do everything in their power to, to circumvent that. And that's why they're called the no fun league. That's why they don't want people to celebrate. That's why they don't want people to have individualistic agendas. You know what I'm saying? Even though it can bring camaraderie and bring it exactly. I don't understand that. I don't I, I don't understand how, first off, Cameron Hayward, by, by the way, a side note, uh, Kyle, uh, a couple weeks ago you said that the Steelers' defense was trash, but I think it's rated top five right now. But a- anyway, you know, Cameron Hayward, um, <laughs> you know, like the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that um, the fact that Cameron Hayward uh, and they also beat the Arizona Cardinals, who was uh, un- un- undefeated before that. I'm sorry, no, 4-1. But anyway, yeah, Cameron Hayward, man, the whole eye black thing is just ridiculous. Um, I don't understand this. Like, they got on Marshawn for the gold cleats in the Super Bowl. Okay, that is the one time I would let you wear gold cleats. That's, that, 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 that shit right. goes hard. Like, you know what I'm saying? They got on Kaepernick for the whole Bose headphones and the Beats, and you can't do that because we're contracted by Bose. They got on, you know, the whole – Hardy thing where they act like they care about women, but they didn't do anything worse to him than Tom Brady. Like, it was just ridiculous, man. It's like the NFL needs to realize that when you let people like Cameron Hayward who are paying homage to their loved ones and D'Angelo Williams, then like people said, echoing the same things, you connect to people who have been through similar or almost identical experiences to that. So when you show that, hey, we stand with all cancers, but not like, you know, just because breast cancer, it is that month. I'm not going to be like an all eyes matter guy, but I'm I'm saying that when you have the eye black on, that's a minuscule thing to show support during right. the month that's highlighting one thing. Right. If it was like, you know, he was wearing it on like his shoulders and like he had it written everywhere, that would be different. But he's not defacing the uniform. It's on his body, actually, which I don't understand. I guess the body's a part of the uniform, if anyone can look that rule up for me. So the fact that he has Iron Head, which is his father, and we know that he died of cancer. You should be able and to he's a Pittsburgh that. player. Williams, yeah, D'Angelo Williams is trying to pay homage to his mother and trying to wear it all year round. So he has to put the color in his hair. And the NFL is going to say that he can't wear it all year round because it goes against the the the, 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 the code. What? Give me, show me one person in the stands. Show me one person on sitting at home on the couch who's looking at them and saying, oh wow, this guy's completely out of control. Look at look at those pink cleats. It is just out of control. This is this is, <laughs> right, this, right, this right. is just going this <laughs> is going too far. 
no, I had enough NFL. This is going too far. Like no one's saying that. Yeah, NFL like 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 Richard Sherman said, the NFL is so against you know beating women and whatnot. But yet the one thing that usually leads to beating women is abusive boyfriends who are drunk and they are sponsored by Budweiser. So it's like they are completely mm-hmm. in bed with the devil. So it's like it's contradictions you, you everywhere. Anything to it, man? They're contradicting. They're contradicting themselves on every front, and they need to realize that when you have other people doing things like this, it can expand your brand globally all over the entire world. Yep. So maybe NFL pushing your whole London agenda, trying to get teams to go over there, which isn't popping as much as it should be. Maybe letting people do stuff like this and letting some players become bigger than the the brand themselves of the NFL would be a great thing for them. And they should be ashamed of themselves because Cameron Hayward's father played for the Steelers. It's ridiculous. Yep. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's it's crazy, man. It's the NFL. They they mandate all of that stuff, and they and to be honest, they really don't have a valid reason as to why. But they have, and they've done it for so long that it's not this is not even something that's collectively bargained anymore. I mean, is it something they could take to the table when they go to the table in a few more years? They could, but you know, how much do you want to stand on this particular principle? I guess that's the question. Well, if this keeps up, it might become one. Because I, I got a feeling Cameron Hayward's not going to stop wearing it all year. If this keeps up, oh, like, no, second, no, second or third time, he's probably it's going to be his form of peaceful protest. It's like, keep finding me then. I'm going to keep honoring that. You say you're about you know supporting breast cancer when it's the month. You bring up uh, domestic violence because of the, the allegations that happened last year with Ray Rice and made all these... You know, joke of commercials with you have people just you know not even saying anything in front of the, the camera. Help, help, help us, help us start a conversation. You can't even say anything because you don't. Oh my God, it's so bad. It's a joke. Yeah, it is. It truly really is. Sad. Hey, you got anything else for tonight, Ryan? Uh, can't wait for NBA season number one. Want to see the Celtics play? I'm dying to see it. Yeah, man. I'm waiting for that league invite. Terry turned Rozier. Yeah, man. Dude, he turned out the other night. Uh, let me see. No terms, obviously. Yeah, he's gonna be buried. He's gonna be he's gonna be third string right now. But he'll get some play when we we clear up the roster. Um, last question. Since Peyton looks, you know, burnt out since he's on a bye week, if Denver mm-hmm. makes it to the postseason at all. If you think they do, how good do you think that defense really is? Because I think they're the best D in the league right now. Yeah, they are. That that You're defense down. that defense is 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 that by far is the best defense I think in the, in the league. I think the yeah. problem is is I just don't I don't know especially as it gets colder and we do know it gets cold in Denver. Yeah. You know, can yeah. can Manning because and I don't know if you guys saw that I watched the game yeah, on Sunday. I mean, like, oh he God. was throwing some ducks. And this is in Cleveland, and it's not as cold, and it's not with, you know, wasn't particularly windy. You know, I just don't know when it's time to push the ball down. Now, you know, your 10-yard, 15-yard outs, you know, I don't even know if he can do those. He just – it's, 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 it's weird. It's weird. To, and I was and I was, um, I was was um asking someone the other day, it's weird to see – um. You know, one of your favorite athletes, regardless of whether or not you like or you root for him or anything like this, we were talking about Kobe off camera the other day. Like, even in watching, and I, I hate to compare Kobe and, 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 and Peyton Manning, but, like, 
we so see Kobe that Kobe wins. has fallen off some because he hasn't been healthy. But Kobe is still Kobe. He still can get you 25 in a game. Like, I just, like, this This guy seems so far removed from the 55 touchdown Peyton Manning we saw, like, two years ago. So, I, to yep. be honest, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if this just can carry season. them that far. Like, they're going to become almost a night. Well, unless they get a running game, it's, it's almost like the idea of what Seattle was doing before with uh, ground and pound and let the defense win it because they've been, they've been scoring touchdowns. I haven't seen yeah, a running back on Denver do anything this year. I haven't seen Ronnie Hillman no, do anything. I haven't seen Akeem Tlaib is far and away defensive player of the year for me right now. He has absolutely saved Peyton's ass oh my twice. God. Had another yes. pick six. Yes. He's yes. balling out this year. And in the meanwhile, Peyton is thrown, Peyton threw another pick six the other day. I mean, like, it, it, too, I think. it's rare. Yeah, it, it, he's got more interceptions than TDs. Yeah, he's got he, – I mean, he's out there looking – Peyton was – Peyton looked worse than Eli. <laughs> and that's nah, that's, bro. Yeah, Peyton, when Eli's the better. Uh, Peyton looks like a one step ahead of what Michael Vick is, is doing right now. Like he, 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 oh, he looks. Vick look bad. He look, Vick look. He looks that bad. Vick. He looks. Vick had six bad. more yards. He makes some us. people look accurate. Yeah, hey, or he we, had one we got, yard. We got a couple more to get to as always, All man. Right. Thanks for Thank calling you, in, right? We definitely appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you guys. Have a good night. Peace. You too, man. Peace. Phone number Ryan call six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Uh, before we jump back to the phones, I man, gotta throw this to you guys. Uh, this John Henson story. I'm not sure if you all mm. were me with it. John Henson, uh, I guess he's what power forward for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, had a situation the other day where he, uh, this city out not far outside of Milwaukee, he went to go to a, an upscale jewelry store to purchase some jewelry. And so he's going there, whatever you know. He goes and the door is locked. Okay, so he tries to get in, and the door is still locked. And the people come to the door and say, go away. And they kind of try to shoo him away. And he's like, look, I'm trying to come in there and buy, you know, I'm trying to come in there and shop. And they end up calling the cops. Cops come. They question him. And, you know, Henson basically takes to his Instagram account and, and chronicles it all, you know, as racial profiling. And he said that they, you know, when the cops came, they finally opened the doors, but they wouldn't let him in even unless, you know, the cops were still there. And he said, you know, he's never been, you know, treated like that before in his life. Ken, man, what, what's your take on that, man? I mean, just they, and obviously he didn't buy anything, but he did put them on blast. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, echoed their support for him as far as how he handled it. Or what have you, but I mean, 2015. This man is coming to spend money in your establishment, and you treat him like this. <laughs> they, 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 they saw a black man coming, ran and locked the door, and then ran in the back. <laughs> like, yeah, like it, it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, man. It, it doesn't make any any sense. And I understand the backstory of them being robbed and the vehicle looking like a vehicle that was part of the robbery and and all of the other stuff, but um, from what I heard and read was that the person that was that was doing the robberies, were, he, he was white, and I'm sure he wasn't 6'10", 6'11", so um, right. you can probably toss 
that whole thing out the window because it's not making sense. And the fact that once they told you he was a he was a professional basketball player, which obviously you know they make a, a pretty decent amount of money for a living, you still ask the police to stay over. But maybe because you were afraid that he may um, go off on you, you know, act um, black so to speak. But um, what what the reason why I wanted to kind of bring this up is is, is that. When I went to all of their social media profiles, like, they absolutely ran from this whole situation. Their accounts were private. They, the Facebook page was private. The Twitter was private. Instagram were, was all private. And, and you know, for me, I would imagine that a lot of people expressed their, their rage and disappointment that this would happen, which I mm-hmm. thought was actually kind of pretty cool. You know, because now maybe for a change, you'll start thinking about the decisions you make when it comes to profiling, you know, people of another race, whether they're black or whether they're from overseas or whatever. You know, the, the, the behavior of that nature, you know, will continue to happen. But as long as we continue to have incidents like this where we have athletes that are able to spotlight these type of issues, it brings light to what regular black people go through every day where their voices and their stories are unable to be heard because they're not of of as importance as a professional black athlete. And let's be honest, they don't have anyone following them around for a story that kind of carries a little bit of um, of interest and intrigue to it because of of the racial uh, tones that came with it. So... Um, but yeah, man, you're just gonna run and hide like freaking cowards. Like for real, man up, own it, accept it, and and do your best to make amends and stop doing the shit. It's just that simple. Right. I messed up. We messed up. Here are the reasons why, and we promise not to do it again. But don't be a, a punk and and go private. Get out of here, man. Yeah, because I'm willing to bet, Ken, that that none of those none of those social media accounts were private prior to this incident happening. Oh no, none no, no, none of them. Um, what about you, FIFO man? What's your take on this racial profiling incident with uh, Milwaukee Bucks's John Henson? I can't say it any better than Ken did, man. Um, you know, whenever it comes to race or whatever, man, just go to Ken. He ain't got to come to me. Uh, <laughs> ain't nothing else I got to add to that. You know, he, he hit every nail. He hit every nail. It, it, it's it's unfortunate that we have to have high pro. You know, it, it's unfortunate that this still happens in 2015, but I think it's even more unfortunate that it has to happen with somebody with a name for it to shed light on everybody else. Because this right, 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 and, and and we shouldn't say, oh, poor Mr. Basketball player. What about poor Mr. Black man? Because my money mm-hmm. is green, just like everybody else's mm-hmm. money, mm-hmm. and I want to spend this motherfucker, and you not let it. So, so that that I've I've encountered stuff like that before in my life, you know. Um, and and I think anybody that has any type of melanin in their skin has encountered this at least once in their life. So, you know, uh, I don't want to say good for, for, for John Henson, but it's almost like, yeah, you know, this does happen, bro. And all of us have experienced this at some point in time. Welcome to the club. But that's also sad because it shouldn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Right. Once, segregation, 
conversation ended, it shouldn't happen. You shouldn't stereotype me. I understand that some of my Negroes over here, you know, they be on some wild shit and they robbed you. I'm sorry. You know, just like some white people will rob some other motherfuckers too. But, yo, that's not me. And even though I may look like them, you should not stop providing me service. You know what I'm saying? Look, if I came to rob you, guess what? That's what insurance is for. You got your money back, man. If I came to rob you, let me rob you. Call the cops. File your insurance. Get your shit back. Mm. Judge? That's true. That's true. What about you, Q? Keep it short and simple, man. In this country, there are some people, regardless of how much money you got, where you live at, your standard of life, to them, you still just another... And I ain't even got to finish it because if you in the know, then you need right. to know. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's it's unfortunate, man. I, I'm I'm glad that John Henson used his platform as a you know as an athlete to uh, because I I know like I read something where he picked up like uh, you know like four or five thousand more followers on Twitter and, and and Instagram you know and people you know were just in support of him. Um, so that's good for him. It's unfortunate, like Ken said, it, yeah. it, we shouldn't have to go through this, period. I don't care who you are. Money's green. That's that's all that matters. And if you want my money, you're going to treat me like a man with respect. Uh, we get notification. We got about 60 seconds, man. Got to thank the homie Q, six man, for filling in for BZ tonight. Uh, make sure that you check out the archives if you missed any parts of tonight's show. You can check us out hey, on Talk Radio. Yes, sir. Hate, hate to interrupt, but I just want to let everybody know B is really at home right now practicing uh, the the Drake dance from Hot Bling. Hotline Bling. Yeah, yeah. Hot Bling Hotline. So that that's what he's doing. That's why he couldn't join us tonight. He wanted to get his dance moves down. <laughs> hey, that's going to do it for us, man. We'll holler at you guys next week. Peace. Get it, B. Get it, B.